Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popcha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash We come from a land down under, down under. Where women grow. Where women grow. Huge. Is that the lyric? They keep getting bigger and bigger <laughs> until they, they. Attack of the fifty-foot woman was set in Australia. They eclipse the very sun itself. <laughs> um, that was fun. Is it actually the, is it where women grow? Yeah, where women grow and men. Oh, it's plunder. glow. It's where women glow. Nah, I'm pretty sure it's grow, dude. <laughs> uh, welcome along. Welcome down under, even, to our listeners today. My name is AJ, and I'm joined by Richard. Um, and you're Hello. listening to Film Franchise Fortnite on the Cold Pops podcast. If you've never heard us before, this is a podcast where Richard and I, um, we randomly, sometimes randomly, sometimes voted on select a film franchise and then we spend the next two weeks watching that franchise and then we get together at the end of that fortnight to discuss it and this is that discussion or the as just as the prophecy foretold Mm. here we are yeah ready to talk yeah And and what franchise are we talking about this week alexander well thank you for asking richard um, the, the franchise that we're, we are discussing this week is the Crocodile Dundee Trilogy, the Aussie oh. classic. Dun- but Dundee, I-, I thought he must be Scottish. Is he? Well, Dundee's is- in Scotland. Oh, really? My mum's from Dundee. Oh, cool. That's a Shout fun little my fact. Hid that from me. I would have put it in my notes. <laughs> put um, it on the IMDb page. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the IMDb pieces of trivia for the first film is Dundee's actually where Richard's mum's from. <laughs> no, I kid, I joke. The crocodile... <laughs> I kid, she's not from Dundee. <laughs> uh, my mother's dead. Um, the, the, the crocodile... She was just mowing the lawns, AJ. She was mowing the lawn. She's stopped now. We had to... I can see someone outside in the reflection of your glasses. Yeah, she's out there doing the gardening. <laughs> Shout out to my mum. Um, I am 25. The Crocodile Dundee (laughs) trilogy uh, depicts the life and times of an experienced Australian bushman named Mick Crocodile Dundee. And I did air quotes when I said crocodile. Yeah, it's like Michael Mick Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's it. 
So yeah, it's about Mick Dundee and his various travels across Australia, New York, and as we'll eventually see, Los Angeles. Uh, the basic concept of the series is a classic fish-out-of-water tale as we see the out-of-touch but borderline invincible Dundee encounter <laughs> people completely different to him, experience comical culture shock, and wind up in hilarious misunderstandings in America. Uh, the series stars Paul Hogan in the title role with various other regulars who show up across the films. Most notably would be Linda Kozlos- Kozlowski, who plays Dundee's love interest, Sue. Yep. Now you know as much as we do. Um, you're up to speed. <laughs> uh, so the first film, Crocodile Dundee, came out in 1986. It was directed by a guy named Peter Fearman, or Feynman, um, who is more known for his work in Australian television than like as a movie director. But he would later go on to be one of the producers for Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Did you ever see that movie? I did not. Are you aware of it? barely yeah it's like a it's like a flew under the radar well i don't think it flew under the radar but certainly for our generation it didn't have like the lasting power of other animated classics yeah is fern gully one of the ones that people are like avatar is just a ripoff of yeah 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 i feel like that's where i've heard it it's got robin williams in it doing a voice role because it's animated um what do you think Crocodile Dundee 1986 has on Rotten Tomatoes? What did, what was the general consensus? Um, I feel like it would actually be pretty high. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to be like 80s. Yep, it is 87%. Nice. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it's the whole, like, coming before... Well, like, you know, when film comes out before Rotten Tomatoes is a thing... Yeah. People only go back to review films they really like. Yeah, yeah, and it has it has benefit and deficit, right? Because okay films are rated a lot lower than they probably deserve compared to like yeah. a, like like yeah. Well, we'll talk about this later probably. But um, what is like what's the plot of Crocodile Dundee, the first film? All right. Well, it follows uh, Sue Shelton who's a journalist who travels to the Australian uh, outback in the Northern Territory, to be specific. Um, mm-hmm. For our American listeners, Australia has states just like you. But they've got real boring names. Well, yeah, they're not, Northern they're Territory, not Queensland, brand. Tasmania, Western, Western Australia, Australia is one of the states. <laughs> and is that it? Yeah, sure. I don't think Tasmania is a state, but yeah. No, I'm pretty sure... Uh, the terri- I think they're called territories, aren't they? No, they I feel like I've missed one. No, New South Wales. Ah, yeah. There you go. New South Wales. Yeah. Oh, and Victoria as well. Yeah. There we go. There's a hundred. There's a hundred states. There's more states in Australia than America. What's the film about though? <laughs> uh yeah, so she travels to the Northern Territory to meet Michael Mick Crocodile J. Dundee. <laughs> who has uh, you know rumored to have lost half his leg to a, a, a battle with a crocodile. Uh, eventually, they do meet. She's not overly impressed with him. You know, doesn't quite live up to the legend, but she is impressed uh, by his like. He's got a very kind, sort of almost naive manner, especially with women. Um, but and he's also got this like oneness with the outback. Mm. 
So they do eventually become attracted to each other. He's kind of a bit sexist in a way, but then he overcomes it. He has like a willingness to change. Mm-hmm. And Sue invites Mick to come back to New York with her. And then the second half of the film is kind of like a traditional fish out of war story. Uh, lots of Mick not knowing, you know, what things are. Oh, what's a bidet? What's what's yeah. this? And, and uh, you know, his, his also his confidence as well. Um, because he's so yeah. sure of himself and interacting with other people, it, it's, it throws them off. The the scenes in the second half of the film are very interchangeable with each other. They're, they're basically different sketches of what an Australian bushman would think of New York. Yeah. And <coughs> uh, Sue also gets engaged to a guy called Richard, who's a bit of a, a, bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> And she, but she's hesitant. She she kind of just says yes because she's surprised. Um, Mick dejected goes uh, to go walk about around the US, which is like walkabouts. You know the thing you do in Australia if you've ever seen Lost. Um, you know that's what Locke wanted to do, even though he couldn't walk. Spoilers. Uh, but then Sue runs to the subway to catch him just before he gets on the train, and she. Gets his attention, and the film ends immediately. <laughs> yeah, it ends. It's so it's it's like. Yeah, it's a it's a romantic comedy. I guess would be the genre of the first film. Uh, I, I guess it's. I mean, if you count it as a genre, like Fish Out of Water is the main appeal of yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <clears throat> cool. So two years later, uh, Crocodile Dundee, which by the way uh, was a smash hit, um, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, but Crocodile Dundee came out in 1988. Two years later, directed by a guy named John Cornell. Um, Cornell has only ever directed one film since Crocodile Dundee 2, so he's only and two films all up, um, and wow. that was 1990's Almost an Angel, which also stars Paul Hogan and Linda, Linda Kozlowski. Uh, Almost an Angel's mm. tagline is, this time the man from down under is working for the man upstairs. <laughs> And I was like, I don't need to know anything more about this movie. Um, yeah, maybe if you're listening to this and you're um, one of our patrons. Yeah. Suggest- good generic movie podcast. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Um, so Almost an Angel has 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. But what do you think Crocodile Dundee 2 has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I'm going to say sub 50. <clears throat> Much. Uh, uh, high 20s, low 30s. Oh, it's got 11%. Really? It's too low, right? It's, yeah. it's better. It's better than that. It's better than 11%. Yeah. But I guess it's that thing you said, the movies that came out before Rotten Tomatoes, people go back to them and they're real angry that, that Crocodile Dundee 2 ruined their legacy, so they rate it lower than it, than yeah. it probably deserves, maybe. Yeah, if, I mean, if it came out, if, if, you know, these movies came out now, like movies of this quality came out now, you know, they'd, they'd do fine. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what is Crocodile Dundee 2 about? So one year later, Sue and Mick are living together in New York City. He's become, oh, he's got a bit of notoriety, a bit of an icon uh, due to Sue's writing about him. Uh, he gets a job working for a guy called Leroy Brown, who's a stationary salesman who um, has this like real tough guy image, so he works to maintain that kind of thing. But anyway, Sue's ex-husband, who we haven't seen yet uh, until now, gets caught up in some shady business with a Colombian drug cartel, and he gets Sue involved as well before his untimely death due to getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Leroy ends up helping as well, gets some, he manages to contact some gangs, get them to help out. But anyway, the last act of the film has Sue and Mick um, go back to Australia so they can like fight the Colombians. Well, it's like a um, witness protection thing, but the Colombians yeah. follow them there. But um, And then the, the Colombians chase them there and they end up having this big fight. So yeah, the, the third act of this film takes place in the Australian outback. So he's got the upper hand. Yeah. Sue and Mick win and he's like, you ready to go home? And she goes, I am home. And the film ends immediately. Ah, oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I don't know. If the first film was a romantic comedy, the second film's like a crime film. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real weird shift in genre there. Yeah. Um, but don't worry, it's all rectified in the third film, which is kind of both <laughs> a romantic mm. comedy and a crime film. And that was 13 years later. One of the earliest examples I'm aware of, of like a distant sequel, you know, like you have with The Force Awakens or, um, you know, Indiana Jones, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. This was one of the first examples I'm aware of, of oh. Crocodile Dundee, of, of a distant sequel. I'm sure there are. I'm pretty sure like the Terminators came out pretty far away from each other. Yeah, but. well, the... Um the longest gap between two theatrically released films, uh, like sequels, was, uh, is, I believe, Fantasia, mm. which uh, Fantasia 2000 came out a year before Crocodile Dundee. There you go. And that's like 53 years. There you go. So this was only 13, so nothing in comparison. Um, so this film was called Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. So 2001, directed by Simon Winsor. And Simon Winsor is the Dundee trilogy's most prolific director yet, uh, with currently 19 films under his belt. Um, Crocodile Dundee in LA was his 16th film. Uh, and from what I could see, and I might just be naive and not have heard of a bunch of his other movies, but his most notable <laughs> other venture was the first Free Will film so that's a pretty big film yeah um it's not a small film it's it's you know yeah yeah but he is also he is an australian director they're all australian directors as well so bloody you gotta bloody support the locals mate exactly uh and what do you think this got on rotten tomatoes oh this would be see i would have said this would be like 11 because i know know this is (laughs) it's the same as crocodile dundee too yeah because i knew this one is famously (laughs) derided yeah Sure. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. This is this is a famous shitty sequel example. Yeah. So what is this shitty sequel about? So Sue and Mick are living together in the Aussie outback with their young son Mikey, and Mick, Mick is no longer allowed to hunt crocs because uh, it's been outlawed. It's been made illegal to actually kill crocodiles, and so he just like wrestles them for entertainment. But yeah, he's obviously feeling unfulfilled. And uh, Sue gets a good job opportunity in Los Angeles, California. So they move there. Then we get uh, about, you know, half an hour or so of some classic fish out of water stuff. This time he's in like the City of Lights. He's in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The City of Angels, I guess. And he's also, we have a bunch of comedy uh, brought from the fact that Mick is now sees himself as like an expert on you know, the US and, and civilized world, even though he's clearly not to us, the audience, but mm. he's the one teaching his son. So, you know, there's a lot of a bit of a disconnect there and it's and we earn some often hilarious results. Yeah. So the job that Sue got, uh, her predecessor uh, died, was killed while investigating a film studio who were making a sequel 
to their terrible lethal agent films and so it's like why why are they still making sequels if it was such a bomb and it's like well you obviously don't know a lot about hollywood uh, <laughs> like if that's suspicious that yeah, you're that's like, investigating i mean the yeah. very existence of crocodile dundee in los angeles and the, <laughs> it's not like a cute little like tongue-in-cheek metaphor for the film itself either it's not like yeah. they're like oh and this the lethal agent 3 is coming out 13 years after lethal agent 2 nah it's none of that they they seem blissfully unaware of, of yeah. the own their own irony yeah uh, <laughs> mick starts working at the studio at first as an extra then as like an animal trainer uh he becomes suspicious when there's some paintings show up on set that are supposed to be copies of like lost artwork um but then it's revealed that they're actually the real lost artworks some priceless mm. pieces of art and so Mick and Sue solve the case and return to Australia to get married. And meanwhile, while this was all happening, uh, Mikey gets enrolled in a Los Angeles school and Mick's brother Jacko uh, comes to help babysit him and Jacko ends up hitching up with Mikey's teacher. Yeah. And they all live happily ever after. Yeah. Um, also, I guess worth noting, do you want to tell people who the the villain is played by in the film? Uh well, Mike Tyson's in this film. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Mike Tyson has a small cameo in the film, but the villain in the film is, um, if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, there's like whenever Jesse, there's like three or four episodes, Jesse goes to like group therapy. The leader of that group uh, of the therapy is the leader of the villains, and one of his henchmen is Mike from Breaking Bad. Yeah, Jonathan Banks, who's yeah. an interesting actor to watch do other roles because he plays Mike so well in Breaking Bad that you kind of just think that's what he's like. And then in, in Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, he's like got this like you know Eastern European accent, and like he's shown like yeah. whimpering and fear at one point. And I was like, "This is weird to see <laughs> Mike yeah. in this this way." Yeah, because he's also like because he played Mike so well, and and it, I think part of him in real life is very much like, uh, yeah. like you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be running around with him, but like now every notable role he's gotten since being cast as mike he got cast because they just wanted mike herman trout yeah like um ben's father and third time mentioning adam scott but (laughs) ben's father in parks and rec is um they were like oh we want to cast someone like mike herman trout and they were like oh well let's just see if jonathan banks will do it so he just played Ben's dad, and, and he's literally just Mike. And then same thing with, like, Community. Yeah. He's in season five Yeah, um, as the new teacher and re- replacing Pierce, and it's literally just, like, he's there because they wanted someone to basically be Mike, but yeah. he does, like, cartoon ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So thank you for those synopses, Richard. As a whole- I wrote them down. Oh, very good. Without um getting into any- any like too specific review what did you think of the series like did what order did you like them in what overall your thoughts um so the first one it's like it's easy to see why it's a classic yeah and uh, yeah, i definitely enjoyed a lot of elements of it uh some parts of it haven't aged too well mm. as i'm sure we'll talk about more but um yeah they it's definitely got some really good moments and yeah i mean it's that's enjoyable enough the second one uh i I didn't really find as interesting um just by the by the design of it i guess and then the third one 
it's a worse movie than the other two, but it kind of returned to a lot of the stuff that you like about the first one. Yeah, totally. I agree. All right. So a bit of useless statistics and trivia, which is what I've Yay! now named this, this segment. Um, first of all, what I just realized before, so I'll say this up top. Uh, this is our second trilogy, or sorry, our second franchise, um, which has a character named Mick and a character named Mike. And it's because they're kind of similar characters. So Mick Dundee's son is called Mikey. And in Look Who's Talking, the baby was called Mickey. And then in the TV show Baby Talk, the baby was called Mikey. <laughs> or the other way around. I can't remember nice. anymore. Right. Anyway, um, this is our 11th trilogy, if you count Pup Stars as its own trilogy. And if you count the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, which we included, the two amazing Spider-Man films in that podcast. But, of course, there is a definitive Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, this is also our second franchise after the Hangover trilogy, trilogy which features Mike Tyson. Uh, he shows yeah. up in... LA, as, as we said. This is our second franchise after Back to the Future in which a character is mistaken for Clint Eastwood. <laughs> because in, yeah. in Crocodile Dundee 2, he, like, takes out a, a gangster and these, like, Japanese tourists, like, take a photo of him. And then as he walks off, one of the tourists is like, do you know who that was? Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and I mm. spared you the do of it, trying to do the accent, but... The accent kind of makes it funnier, but I didn't want to to put that on my head. Um, So this is also our second franchise after Ace Ventura, which focuses on a character who has a special connection with slash ability to control animals. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like Dundee was a Australian Ace Ventura mixed with a little bit of um, Captain Jack Sparrow, like because he's got that legend about him, you know, the whole like he was... He was in the same way that Jack was stranded on an island. Dundee was had to crawl at, at home from the outback after being attacked by a crocodile. <coughs> also, if if the second Ace Ventura film had come out a year later, this would have been our second franchise to be a trilogy, which has a two year gap between films and then a thirteen year gap between films. Wow. Because it's it like a one-year gap and then a 14-year gap. I like how that's not a statistic, but you thought of it. <laughs> um, Crocodile Dundee is our sixth franchise to feature a specific animal in its title. The others being Pupstar, Cats and Dogs, Spider-Man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and SpongeBob SquarePants. And I had to look up if a sponge was considered an animal. It is. Nice. So there we go. So my first thing I wanted to talk about... Uh, was Paul Hogan himself, so the star of the films. Yeah, and because bloody, I, bloody Aussie legend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really know anything about Paul Hogan bef- outside. Like, when I was a kid, I thought him and Hulk Hogan were the same person. Like, <laughs> yeah. they kind of looked <laughs> look alike. And, like, like mm. one's like a beefcake The leathery version. skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as an adult, I only knew uh, Paul Hogan as the guy from Crocodile Dundee, and he, but he was like a producer for the movies and he wrote them and the marketing very much feels like, oh, look what old Paul Hogan's doing next. You know, sort yeah, of like how I, Sasha Baron Cohen would do something. It's like, what's Sasha Baron Cohen doing next kind of thing? Yeah, I kind of saw him as like, our, uh, we had John Clark, the Aussies had Paul mm-hmm. Hogan. Yeah, sure. 
that's a good way to look at it um so yeah yeah so paul hogan is a comedian um but his initial claim to fame would have been the like australia's answer to the benny hill show which was called the paul hogan show um which aired on australian tv from 1973 to 1984 hogan appeared in it playing several different characters which is interesting because kind of like jonathan banks i kind of find it hard to believe that paul hogan isn't like some version of mick dundee yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it just the the character that Mick Dundee is feels like the type of person who isn't self aware enough to be an actor, which is a testament to Paul Hogan's acting. So good on him. <laughs> um, Paul Hogan claimed to have invented the character himself while in New York, imagining how funny it would be to see a North Territory bushman in the big city. Presumably, he didn't think past like much past this nugget of an idea as the first film is kind of void of any real story beyond what if a bushman was in new york <laughs> um but however despite hogan's insistence that crocodile dundee was, was his own creation it was later revealed that the real life inspiration for the character was a bushman named rod ansel um whose boat capsized during a solo hunting expedition in australia and he spent two months trapped in the wilderness it says here he survived by drinking cow blood sleeping with snakes and occasionally fighting and decapitating the old crocodile um yeah so this guy was a total character he'd attend bbc interviews barefoot things like that try to get him on the podcast well i've got bad news (laughs) That won't happen. Uh, because, I've got bad news because he's turned down the podcast. <laughs> no, he was killed in a police shootout. Uh, and many think that he was actually driven mad due to his exclusion from the success of the Crocodile Dundee movies. Ah. Uh, because they didn't acknowledge him or pay him or anything. <clears throat> um, but it also seems like he shouldn't care. Like I said, well, I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, like, I understand how someone would care, but it also seems like he's not the kind of person to care. Yeah. Um, so Paul Hogan, back to Paul Hogan, he has sort of given like a description of what he, what he, how he interprets the character. Um, and in a true demonstration of just how different the Kiwi accent is from the Aussie one, Richard, I want you to read this quote, um, from, I'm sending it to you now from Paul Hogan as Paul Hogan. Can you do that? Uh, I can try. All right. Well, so I don't know if you got this written down anywhere, but Paul Hogan's had um, he's gained a bit of notoriety in the last oh, bit over a decade for um, some other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tax evasion and like yeah. a super messy divorce and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the yeah when I was like, oh, he's still alive because he was on the news all the time about yeah he had all these. Um, tax issues yeah yeah i didn't i I was i wrote it down then i was like this isn't woman's weekly we don't need to talk about (laughs) his divorce and his tax evasion but whatever it is it is there if you want to go look for it but there i sent you that quote now can you please read us that there's a lot about dundee that we think we're all like uh, but we're not because we live in sydney he's a mythical australian who he's a mythical outback australian who does exist in part the frontiersman who walks through the bush picking up snakes and throwing them aside Living off the land, who can ride horses and chop down trees and has had that simple, friendly, laid-back philosophy. It's like the image the Americans have of us, so why not give them one? We've always been desperately short of fake heroes in this country. Ned, Ned Kelly's pathetic. So are the Bushrangers. Very good. Um, which There's I, some, actually, some bits in there where I, I kind of got it. but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think that's a really cool way of looking at it is that, that 
the American idea of what an Australian is, the like stereotype, isn't actually true. However, that does exist in some part. And what happens if he was like the only Australian these Americans ever met? <laughs> like yeah, it would yeah. just and and actually the film did get in trouble with some Australian um, critics because it was like, oh, this is just perpetuating a stereotype, but it's not really a bad stereotype. So, yeah. and if you think every Australian's like that, I mean that's kind of on you, I think. Um, but to Paul Hogan's credit, I actually do think that Mick Dundee himself is a really good character, uh, and more he's like he's definitely like the saving grace of the sequels. Um, yeah, although they do kind of bastardize his character a little bit, especially in the third one. Sure, like yeah, he's yeah. I think because there's in the first one, it's like he's naive, but he means really well, and then there's a lot of times in the third one where it's just like you're just being a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. But I did feel a bit, and this won't make completely complete sense, but it felt like I was watching a movie about my granddad. My granddad's not Australian, but he he's the type <laughs> of guy who, when he was young, would, if there was a snake there, he'd just act. You know, he'd just grab it and crush it. That's, that's right. He'd do that. How often then. did that happen growing up? Um, oh, no, I never saw it happen. I don't think he's <laughs> ever been to Australia, but just his attitude and his, like, knowledge of the outside world reminded me of my granddad. Um that's not even the first time I've mentioned my granddad on the podcast. I actually tried to do an interview with him once, but it did not. <laughs> As you can imagine, trying to interview someone like Mick Dundee, it did not turn out well. Um, so I would say that the trilogy as a whole suffers from not really knowing what to do with such a great character like the first film gets the closest but it still fires all over the place like it's barely about anything like the the contrivances to get him to new york are just that like they're like yeah he ends up in new york and then it's then it's like as i said before it's just a series of sketches that are loosely strung together through like a romantic comedy which is kind of off because like Sue and Richard are clearly boyfriend and girlfriend and it's never said out loud that she's like cheating on Richard with Mick, but it's obvious, you know, like no one responds in the way you would if someone was cheating. Um, yeah. And the second, the second film, as I said, it's like a dark crime story and it goes for so long. It's the longest of the three. And when it, with that, and probably about the three quarter mark, the, as you say, the last act of the film is set in Australia. I thought the film was about to finish and then they're like, <laughs> right, let's go to Australia. And I was like, yeah. what? I'm so over this movie. I couldn't believe that it still had so long to go after that. Yeah. And actually, I, um, I should say as well, I, because had you seen any of them before? No. Because I'd seen the first one years and years ago, and I had seen the last act of the thir- of the second one before, mm. so I, I think I just assumed that you know uh, the first one they end up back in Australia, because I knew it like it ended with this big battle in Australia. But then I was like, oh, I didn't realize that it's actually the second one that I'd seen. Mm. Um, so it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and so the third film to go along this theme again it doesn't really know what to do with them and it shoehorns the crime stuff back into the story which it didn't really need i actually thought what would have been a cooler third film was they're making a movie of mick dundee and he's like overseeing yeah, production right, yeah, yeah. that's the obvious do the why does he go to hollywood yeah because yeah. we got um and i did think about that for my continue the franchise because we get you know it's, it's crocodile dundee in hollywood yeah yeah and so it's yeah, obvious it, it feels like that's 
that feels yeah. like they had it in their lap and then made the wrong movie, um, yeah. which would have made him doubly fish out of water, which is kind of cool because now he's a fish out of water in a city he doesn't know and he's like having to be a consultant for a film. Yeah, which like is you know, yeah. yeah. Um, so the first film, weirdly to me, it feels like two films pushed into one. It feels like they kind of um, used what they could have done, spread out over a sequel in one film. Because we start with Sue being the fish out of water in Australia for like the first half of the movie, and then they go to New York and Mick becomes the odd one out. But before watching these films, I had always assumed the first was set entirely in Australia and the second was set entirely in New York. Like, I thought, and that makes sense to me. It's like, if, especially if you make Sue the protagonist of the first film, right? If, if Like, this is me script doctoring here. And it's mm. all just the story about this woman who goes and, and meets this mythical figure and gets to know him and falls in love with him while traversing the, the great outback of Australia. Um, that would make way more sense to me. And you could even put in, like... You know, the the you could up the stakes so that they uncover poachers or a drug trade or whatever, which would have made the bizarrely higher stakes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the second film, not as out of place, maybe. I'm not yeah. saying this is a better film. I'm just saying I'm surprised this wasn't what happened. Because then you go, you go okay, we've done... Um, American goes to Australia. What's the obvious choice for the sequel? The Australian goes to America. Um, I don't know. I just assumed that was what the films were before before yeah. I saw them. If I may, mm. I think that's pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Give me, like, another movie. Just name any, good, any like, good movie. Um, I can only think of Space Jam off the top of my head. But I feel like that's not going to fly. Um, the Godfather. Okay, well, I'll do Space Jam. <laughs> so imagine a Space Jam was like, okay, what about if in the first film it's just normal people playing basketball, and then in the second film it's like, yeah, we have the Looney Tunes versus the aliens. It's like you're holding the hook of the film and like the log line of the film to the second film. I would say it's more the first Space Jam is a live action person in a cartoon world, and then the second Space Jam is the Looney Tunes in a live action world. Okay, yeah, no, that's a good way to do it. But again, like you're just needlessly splitting up a film. Like if you, because we've seen Romancing the Stone, we've seen the first half of Crocodile Dundee before, but the whole appeal of the film is getting this Australian guy into the you know the the hustle and bustle of the big city hmm. so yeah sure yeah and then I, th- I think returning at the end of the second one because it kind of just flips it yeah. so first one is like first half and then you know, and then they they flip it so with all due respect mm. i think your idea well goodbye was bad hangs up um no so this this idea i do have though and i, I don't even know if i'm i'm not that passionate about it i'm just like oh good because i'm gonna shit all over it um 
yeah it's just what it's just what i'd assumed the films were and if it were this way i think it would have made way for the third film to still remain crocodile dundee in los angeles and you could have even titled the second film crocodile d crocodile dundee in new york crocodile d you know, so you got Crocodile Dundee, Crocodile Dundee in New York, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and this is us talking about titles on this podcast, by the oh, way, shit. which we you do just, a lot. Buddy, snuck up on me, man. Mm. So do you have anything to say about the titles? Do you have any thoughts um, or anything you would think I'd be annoyed by? I don't I don't like the idea of Crocodile Dundee, Crocodile Dundee in New York, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, because to me, like- now he's here. Now he's here is kind of a dumb sequeling, um, like titling scheme. Why because, do you think it's and, dumb? And also, like to to your general public, especially outside of um, America, and you know, because it's it's made for an Australian audience, I guess. Uh, you know, New York and Los Angeles aren't going to feel too different, right? Like you know, if they if you said New York and then Los Angeles, I'm like, well, you know, he's just in mm. the USA for both of them. Um, okay. And USA listeners have been like, they're completely different cultures. Okay. Uh, but no, they're not. Um, <laughs> the, so this, you're continuing the legacy of you not liking my title ideas, which is annoying because I really thought I'd got you with this one. I was oh, like, do you, do you, were you seriously pitching in New York as a good title? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. <laughs> and you it thought that was going to be the one to get me? No, I don't know. It just makes sense to me. But, um, Oh, no, right, that's well, one of your worst ones so far. Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> I live, I strive to try and beat my record of titles that I think are great that you don't like. I'm yet to get to the, the, the comedic heights of a dog with a pone. <laughs> um, yeah, no, see, that was your best title. It's not my fucking best. It's the worst one I've come up with. Anyway. No, I mean, like, so on one end of the scale, you've got Dog with a Pone. On the other end of the scale, you've got um, Crocodile Dundee in New York and Crocodile and um, Jurassic Park B. Jurassic Park B is the best freaking one I've done, man. It's such a good <laughs> title. <sighs> so, <laughs> the... um. Uh, one one fun thing about these titles, moving yeah. right on, um, that in America there are quotation marks around the word crocodile in the title, and this was to ensure people didn't think he was a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, it's a very American way of thinking of that. Um, I mean, you could, I guess, if you saw it written down, you might think he's actually a crocodile. But yeah. I don't know if even enough putting quotation marks in front in front of it make it any any easier. Um, yeah. All right. So that's all but, we got uh, to say yeah. about titles. Oh yeah, I was going to say yeah, like because I know you're like a do numerals up to three and then abandon them for the fourth kind of guy. Mm. One of those. One of those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, and I'm so, how do you feel about them abandoning it after two rather than three? Uh, like, I don't would mind. you? Have, I yeah, would you have preferred just Crocodile Dundee 3? No, I like it being in Los Angeles. I think it tells you it's when you've seen the first two, especially when there's been such a long gap, it tells you why should I go see the third one? Because right, it's yeah. like, oh, oh, he's in LA now. Oh, that's interesting. We've only yeah, ever seen it. They should have Crocodile Dundee in Japan and Kyoto or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that would be good. I feel like it would have been a real racist movie, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They just yeah, if they don't like the eighties as well, yeah, yeah. that'd be real. Um, cool. So, do you think the films are ma- are more made by Australians for Americans, or made by Americans for Australians, or both? 
Uh, I would say made by Australians for Australians. Mm. Well, actually, the first film was an attempt to make a commercial Australian film that would appeal to a mainstream American audience because it's so it's more Australian made by Australians for Americans, yeah. um, which is clear because I feel like the Australian characters are really accurate and the American characters are a bit more one size fits all what you'd expect Americans right, to be yeah. like. Yeah. Like I feel like if it was made by Americans, it, the the Australian characters would be a lot cheesier and a lot more. Um, the, the the nuances there wouldn't be there. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I can I can dig that. Yeah. So the film proved to be a worldwide phenomenon. The first film, uh, it was the second highest grossing film in the United States in 1986, and went on to become the second highest grossing film worldwide at the box office as well. Behind, what do you think? 86. Um, Romancing the Stone. Top Gun. I am. Bet Romancing the Stone. Um, and there are two versions of the film, the Australian version and an international version, which had much of the Australian slang replaced with more commonly understood terms and was slightly shorter. <laughs> I don't know which one we saw. Yeah. <laughs> I can't Oops. imagine it matters. So we talked about this a little bit before. Have these films aged well no they haven't initially Uh, i didn't think we'd have to discuss this because like the various misogynistic microaggressions were like it was 86 i can look past these things and it's kind of accurate to what the character would be like Uh, and then mick dundee sexually harasses a trans person and i was like we need to talk about this yeah yeah because were you not aware of that scene no not really Oh, yeah. it, it, it didn't seem i wasn't like how was no one talking about this but i wasn't you know yeah. it made sense that it was in this film but so yeah, do you want to relay what happens uh yeah so basically uh mix at a bar he's he's having a chat to everyone and um yeah trans person comes up to mick and is kind of hitting on him and and he obviously you know hasn't picked up that it's i guess it's, it's more of like a drag queen almost than mm. like a trans person mm. um uh, it's, yeah, like, let's get into this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, and Mix, you know, having having a great time chatting, and then his friend pulls him aside and was like, "Oi, that's a dude!" And he was like, "Why?" He's like, "It's a fag." One of these, like, so already then- you're like, Ooh. <laughs> 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 and um, and so Mick like goes over and grabs the genitals and is like <laughs> Which oh, is, right, okay and then just like and then wanders off and and like I mean, shames I mean, shames them out they're like it's a it's a bloke or whatever like yells and everyone's laughing and this this poor person like walks away with tears and they're like it's played real like like genuinely they look really oh upset. yeah yeah no because it's, it's later on he's talking to another trans person oh this, this is just a very it's, a, it's like a very dressed up it's a woman man. who could be a man if you didn't know better the well, character the, the character's the, the a woman. second time the second one yeah yeah oh no oh. i think it was just supposed to be a woman but she just had masculine um like the yeah, casting because I, I i i thought i mean I, I don't know i don't know who played them but like i i thought it was like it was just a man wearing makeup right i it, it was a very old queen like, yeah like the thing. casting call would have been a woman with masculine features 
<laughs> like that that's what how I would describe the second person. Oh. Well, it's interesting that we had different <laughs> Yeah. Um anyway. Um Well no, because then he grabs he grabs the second person's crotch and goes, yeah. just checking. So to me that was like it was a woman. Because she's kind oh, of no. like Yeah, see I, I saw that he because he he's not hateful. Mm. He he grabs it and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's there's a there's a penis there." Sure. And then because and then the person's like, "Oh well, hmm, I have to come back here." Because mm. of course they, which have I to- feel like you know. Anyway. Yeah. No, I mean the the Mick. You're right. Mick isn't hateful. He's just naive. But the film still kind of gives him a pass, and everyone who does know better just kind of laughs and goes with it. But it's like. That's something you pull them aside for and be like, don't do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. not appropriate. I mean, because of the third film we ever... Because um, a lot of people mistake them for cowboys dressed up as, like, Bushmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mick and Jacko, his brother, go into a nightclub. They're like, oh, there's some cowboys going to a nightclub. They realise it's obviously, like, a gay club. Mm. And then they, like, immediately walk back out. Yeah, um, and then Jacko goes, oh, it must be one of those pufta bars. And, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I think the correct term is actually gay homosexual. Which is interesting that, that the film was aware enough at that time to, like, put something vaguely politically correct in there. Like, uh, on, on, in yeah, the realm I don't think, of being I think more- you're giving them, I don't know. You're not giving 2001 enough credit, you know? <laughs> like, I think um, I think the term pufter has kind of always been derogatory. Yeah, of course. I don't, I don't think at any time in history they were like, yeah, no, this is socially acceptable. No, what I'm, it- what I'm saying is that the fact that Mick goes, oh, the, the proper term is actually gay homosexual is like, shows that Mick has an understanding that you shouldn't be derogatory towards mm. gay people. But you know what's funny? A couple of days earlier- in the film, um, a woman is hitting on Mick and she's like, oh, so you're gay. And he's like, oh, yeah, I like to think I'm pretty happy. Yeah. yeah and, then, exactly. and then, like, a couple of days later, he's like, oh, yeah, they're called gays. Gay well, homosexuals. He says gay homosexual, which is a double positive, right? Because you don't need to say gay. You could just say homosexual. Which, yeah, which is it's this weird kind of break in the film's reality because it shows that he does know what gay means. Maybe he learned from that woman. I don't know. Yeah, well, no, I think it's as well that, like, you're showing this, because um, there's a few times, like, in the th- in the third film where Mick's like, oh, yeah, I'm the expert on this. And, yeah, things like being like, it's they're called gay homosexuals. And it's like, that's not the term. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not how you say it. But so it's like, it's funny, but it also shows that he's making the effort to learn these things. Mm. And especially since his experiences in the first film. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, yeah. Pretty, pretty crass, pretty um, dated by today's standards. Um, Please let us know if we yeah. <laughs> used any incorrect terminology. Or Richard anything. and I strive to be, like, good with this stuff. So we're not <laughs> going to be some of those people who get real mad if you try correct us. But we, our, our intentions are, are good. Are pure. Yeah. Um, cool. Did you? Yeah, have we want to. We want to expose the film for yeah. its its wrongdoings, not yeah. expose our own. Yeah. All right, so let's move from that conversation, um, which we gave its its proper, you know, yeah. we gave it time. All right, let's, um, let's step off those eggshells and into, <laughs> uh, into our last segment of the show called Continue the Franchise, and this is a segment where Richard and I pitch a sequel or a way to continue the Crocodile Dundee legacy. Now with more effort. Yeah. 
yeah, we've we've decided we we had a talk off pod about this. We're like, we need to start putting more effort into our CTFs. So from now on, so the next half hour of the podcast is just going to be this. <laughs> um, but before we get to our ideas, the Crocodile Dundee brand has been carried on in one or two ways already, uh, mainly in commercials. The more obscure of which would be a nineteen ninety ad, nineteen ninety nine ad for Subaru, um, and of course the twenty eighteen Super Bowl ad campaign for Australian tourism, uh, which. If you've already forgotten about, it <laughs> came out in January. Um, this was a series of teaser trailers for a film called Dundee, The Son of a Legend Returns Home, which starred Danny McBride as Mick's American son, Brian Dundee, uh, who returns to Australia in search of his now missing father with the help of Australian guide Wally Jr., played by Chris Hemsworth. Wally um, being a character in the original yeah, films we've yeah, spoken about. Yeah, the, the trailer featured various other actors including Hugh Jackman as the Australian Prime Minister Margot Robbie as Lil Donk Donk was also a character in the in the series which I didn't realise when I saw the Dundee trailers that she was a reference to something I was just like that's an odd <laughs> character odd name to yeah. give a character um, there's also Russell Crowe as J.P. Steele who would have been the villain uh, Ruby Rose as Chief Jackson Liam Hemsworth as Wes Windsong Jessica Malboy as Miss Thompson Luke Bracey as the cricket legend and Isla Fisher as Dr. Clark who I didn't know was Australian and I must have never never seen interviews with isla fisher because she I, she's australian yeah i cannot oh. picture her with an australian accent that's so weird she's in this way i feel like she has an australian accent in um arrested development but like of course no, she, doesn't. she doesn't she has an australian accent in the trailer that she's in for dundee the son of a legend returns home mm, i've definitely seen her in something or well, does she have what a wedding crashes maybe? maybe i've definitely seen her in something with an american accent Australian. With an Australian accent. Yeah. Um, so that this must have been a weird thing for these like A-list actors to do because they have very little screen time for what ultimately- well, I don't know. They're all Australian actors. Like yeah. if, if you guys didn't pick up on that. But it's also like, you know, just get Hugh Jackman in a suit in front of a green screen and get yeah. him to be like, what do you mean Mick's missing? Dundee's missing in the Outback. He is the Outback. Yeah. And it's like- yeah, you know, ten seconds out of his day, yeah. and you're and you know you're promoting Australia. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the trailers culminated in a reveal during this year's Super Bowl that it was all an ad for Australian tourism, and Paul Hogan cameoed. There's a part yeah. where Chris Hemsworth goes, "You're the best crocodile Dundee since crocodile Dundee," and he and Danny McBride's like, "Really?" And then it cuts to Paul Hogan watching them across the bar, and he kind of scowls. And it's like <laughs> clearly they filmed him on a different day because he doesn't. That's it, and they don't interact yeah. any further. Um, I, I loved those ads, though, man. They were cool. They were funny. The one where he's like, Are "You Brian Dundee," and he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Really?" Yeah. He's like, "Why do you keep saying really?" Yeah, that's a, that's a really good little um, comedic performance that I quite. Yeah, like. no, they they were great, man. Like the um, because the first one came out and it was like just this teaser. Show. It was like all these like sweeping shots of the Australian outback, obviously, you know, to promote mm. uh, the beautiful landscapes and stuff like that. And it's like the son of a legend returns home, and then it's like. Um, <laughs> Danny McBride standing on Cliff Ace is like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And he like does all these like sweet like nunchuck type knife moves. And then it's like, Dundee, the son of a legend, returns home. And he's like, g'day, losers. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but do you know, yeah. so the, the, the line that this movie, the first film in 
ergo the whole franchise is famous for is when they get mugged in New York or someone tries to mug them in New York and they pull a switchblade on them and Sue's like he's got a knife Mick and he goes that's not a knife and then he pulls out this giant Australian hunting knife and he's like that's a knife and it's common as you message me it's commonly misquoted as being that's not a knife this is a knife it's yeah. actually that's not a knife that's a knife but in Dundee the son of a legend returns home Danny McBride says, that's not a knife, that's a knife. So he gets the line right, which I thought yeah. was a Well, because cool I, mean, I guess it's only really misquoted because of the f- brilliant <laughs> Simpsons joke where they're like, that's not a knife, this is a knife. That's not a knife, that's a spoon. All right, all right, I see you've played knifey spoony before. Mm. Like, what are the rules of knifey spoony? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you win? Like mm-hmm. he's like, oh, okay, well, all right, all right. You would we'll win by before. not realising it's a spoon. So you only <laughs> you only realise you're playing knifey spoony if you lose it or win it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So um, Paul Hogan himself has repeatedly stated he doesn't want to make any more films, but Chris Hemsworth is apparently keen. <laughs> to, yeah. uh, like the Super Bowl ad um, was so popular with people, and so he was like, "Let's do it for real." Um, and he, apparently, him and Danny McBride were worried that people would be disappointed and angry if they found out it was just an ad. And I'd say that's kind of accurate. I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, man. Mm. Yeah. Fuck. It you know, did- you know, it's funny. I, um, so all of the posters for it, all of the, because they released a bunch of teaser trailers before the full one where it's revealed. Um, but, uh, they were all posted to Reddit and they all got, went, like, went to the top of our movies and the when the full trailer was released, I saw I was like, "Oh, this isn't on our movies." So I posted. I was the one that posted it, and all the comments were like, "What the fuck does this have to do with movies? <laughs> Why the fuck are you posting this? Is just an ad?" It's like every single other one got there, oh. and it's like a character being re- like a famous film character being reprised, and like, 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 ugh, I've seen so much fucking worse shit on our movies. Yeah. That like that everyone's just like, well, oh, it downvo- got downvoted to hell, and it's like, fucking, you liked all the other shit to do with this fucking ad campaign. Reddit, is as you a, can tell, I'm really bitter. Is a tumultuous beast, though it did yeah. work in our favour this week. Um, so hello to all our new listeners. Um, so but also yeah, the um, I was supposed to say the the reveal in that ad is real funny as well when they're like they're sitting, um, because it's like it's just a trailer for a new Dundee film. And then Chris Hemsworth and Tanner McBride are like sitting at um at lunch in the Sydney Opera House behind them. And he's like, "Oh, we've had a great adventure, you know. We've we've got all these um sweeping landscapes and some of the best beaches in the world." And he's like, "Wait a minute, this is a trailer for a movie, so this is a fucking tourism ad for Australia." Yeah, yeah. So no, it's, it's a good great. it's good stuff, and it's not a movie I wouldn't want to see. Though I would say I don't know if the trailers captured the spirit of the original Dundee movie. But I don't care. <laughs> I'm not tied to it. It felt, I mean, maybe just because Danny McBride was front and center, it felt more like a Danny McBride yeah, film. Um, yeah. So, also, the only other thing I could find that was of interest was years before the third film was announced, there was talk of a crossover between Crocodile Dundee and Beverly Hills Cop, which is a franchise we haven't actually covered before on this podcast. So, so. we can't say anything about it. Yeah. All right. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I'll go first. All right. What is your continue the franchise? So, uh, if you cast your mind back to the end of Crocodile Dundee, Los Angeles, they're back in Australia and he's like, 
oh yeah me crocodile dundee and he's like oh not anymore mick dundee pi and he looks at the camera and he winks he's like oh, i'm only joking and he wanders off and the film ends immediately. Um, no, it ends with the crocodile catching the bouquet and then Mick and Jacko taking off their jackets to go wrestle the crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought, what about a TV series of Mick Dundee P.I.? Mm. So this would have been good for the like 90s animated show in totally. the same vein as um, The Mask, Ace Ventura and like Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, but you couldn't really do it animated these days. I thought maybe you could do it like a Bojack Horseman-y kind of style, maybe. But I, I'd rather do you could do like a live action kind of thing. And again, it would probably work better in the 90s. But yeah, you know, it comes out today, whatever. So I would like to see it have... I mean, we can re- recast Paul Hogan. Don't really mind. <laughs> um, you know, just, just this, this idea of like a guy from the Australian outback solving crimes in the big city. So you've got fish out of water... But he's also got this like keen sort of never give up attitude, and he's mm. quite a good, he's observant, and you know, and uses outback skills to to solve crimes and stuff. So I would want to have like a like a series long arc and like a and like season long arcs as well. Um, you'd have the occasional monster of the week type episode procedural thing, but uh, so season one would be Mick chasing down some unknown crime boss or serial killer or something. And it'd have like a, a gang of misfits around them as well. So I'd want him to really grow as a character over the series, not have these random moments where you just need him to be a fucking idiot and like forget stuff that we know he knows. Yeah. Uh, but he still uses his Outback know-how. But season one would end with something going wrong, which forces Mick back to Australia. Maybe he gets found uh, like he was there illegally and he gets deported back to Australia, something like that. But he ends up back in Australia. The season would end with him trapped there. And then the big bad would be revealed back in the big city. And it would be like someone we know from the first season, something like that. So then the second season is like Mick trying to get back to the big city. But also we see this person we've come to love, how evil they truly are throughout the whole um, nice. second season and so on and so on i reckon you could still do that as an animated thing um and you could even do a crossover with mike tyson mysteries since, which is another <laughs> animated show since mike tyson was in the third film now that's cool i like it it's yeah. a good, good way good direction to take it especially after the third film yeah cool cool all right so my sequel idea um this is a type of sequel that we haven't really talked about before on film franchise Fortnites, um, mainly because it didn't really exist when we started the podcast. It's a very new trend. Um, but I'd like to follow in the footsteps of the upcoming Halloween movie and the upcoming Terminator 6 and make a sequel to the original film in a new <laughs> continuity that ignores the other sequels. Right, okay. <laughs> I okay. wish there was a simple way to phrase this because I'd love to do a podcast where we pitch what movies, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah, yeah. movie should get a sequel now that ignores its previous sequels, but that feels too long for the SoundCloud's limit on what you can call your podcasts. <laughs> yeah. um, so, in my film, Mick has been living with Sue in New York for over 30 years since the end of the first film, um, and when we see him, he has become completely Americanized. The Mick Dundee we once knew is no more. He's Instead, he's a kind of chubby 78-year-old man, because that's how old he is now, um, with an Jesus. American accent. Um, 
and he stays inside watching TV and eating. Um, However, things get a bit hairy for old Mick when the untimely death of his wife, Sue, um, after that he discovers he no longer has any idea of how to take care of himself. So he decides to return to Australia to go walk about and rediscover himself and relearn all the ways of the outback he used to know a long time ago. The film would feature an elderly, blubbering Dundee slowly regaining his old strengths through fighting crocodiles and snakes and going on Aboriginal vision quests uh, and the film is called Hamburger Dundee. I was with you until your last two words. <laughs> you don't like Hamburger Dundee? No, it's fucking stupid. Um, I yeah, I like the idea of flipping the fish out of water thing so that it's about like a real Americanized guy coming to. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought yeah, I mean like the obvious kind of way to do a sequel is have him like interact with millennials and stuff like that. Like still be like, oh, I don't know, bloody what a smartphone is. Oh, bloody, I have to be next to my phone if I want a phone call. Or oh, what's a cell phone? And oh, mm. oh, why are you eating laundry detergent? Mm. <laughs> That's if you're a listening fair to this, question, if like. you're listening to this like far in the future, that that reference is already old. Yeah. <laughs> like. This isn't. We're not currently living in the Tide Pod era. No, the the great Tide Pod wars have have long since passed. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, no, I've got some, Dundee I've is, got some um, other titles. You got you, some other titles. Good. I, I haven't written them down, so I have to make them up on the spot. Well, remember okay. them on the spot. The other one I thought like Crocodile Dundee goes walkabout. Crocodile Dundee goes bush. Crocodile Dundee returns home. That kind well, of Crocodile thing. Dundee Homecoming. Yeah. That's it. Crocodile and Dundee, Far From Home. And now he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Actually, Crocodile Dundee, Walkabout isn't too bad. Mm. There you go. So there we go. Those, those were a couple of good continuous franchises <laughs> <laughs> that we put effort into because Yay! we care about you, our listeners. Um, awesome. So that's it. That's our conversation on Crocodile Dundee. We are just hit an hour, so that's a good little time of your day. You know, you've probably got to work by now. Mm, you've got 23 more of these. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant podcast episodes, and I was like, have we done like 100? <laughs> yeah, actually, this is our 101st episode of the podcast. Oh, look at that. How cute is that? That's awesome. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you um, want to... Oh wait, no. We need to continue. We need to do franchise. Well, we don't have franchise roulette. We have. Yeah. We just have to announce what our next franchise is. Yeah. So we every second um, franchise we're doing now, um, what we're doing is if you donate as little as a dollar to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Popsha, you can actually uh, suggest and vote on what like every second franchise that we do. So we did this um, a couple of weeks back, and. We asked people to suggest, and we got heaps of suggestions. We got, uh, I think, 11 different suggestions from our patrons. But the winning, the winning suggestion with a whopping five likes uh, is Toy Story. So next fortnight, we're doing the Toy Story trilogy. Yay. Yay. Um, So join us back here in exactly two weeks' time to talk about toy story with us and you know what go watch them yourself yeah toy, toy story is a everybody good one to watch. Loves, loves toy story toy story is going to be one of those good ones to talk about because everyone's seen all of them yeah yeah it'll be a good one to try make one that 
you can listen to for the first like if you've never listened to the show before yeah. <laughs> um, so we're not going to be referencing Beethoven no we're not going to be referencing Earbud we could we're allude we're not going to be talking about 9-11 we're not going to be talking about the lost episode we could allude to things to the fact that we have more episodes though so that yeah we, AJ's not going to give any dumb title suggestions what's wrong with the Toy Story titles they're fine no but, yeah, no, but you're not going to give any dumb ones to alienate I've the audience I've never given a dumb one um, if you liked this show, you can also like us on Facebook, uh, go find Cop Popshire, subscribe to us on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, or email us at copopshiremedia at gmail.com. All these places are places that you can find us and support us, as well as our Patreon, if you've been um, listening for a while and want to give something back. I'm just looking at our Patreon. It says, hmm, we're having trouble with your payment method. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not then. Um, no, that's that's for us paying other creators. Oh, okay. Which we, you do, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sweet. Okay, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Film Franchise Fortnights or the Cop Pops podcast. Because every second week around here, we do something that isn't pertaining to a, a franchise yeah what's it going to be next week AJ um don't know yet still still trying to frantically think of something but hey if you've got an idea let me know if we like suggestions for off week podcasts we'll do them as well yeah alright what's so a bloody good on you and hooroo. have a good 23 remaining hours of your day hooroo that's the Australian hooroo. for goodbye <laughs> All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye.